Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, Rockstars? Welcome back to the UX Podcast. It's Matt Johnson here. Very, very cool conversation for you today. Uh, so we've got Adrian Boisel. He is the um, the host of the Project Grow radio show. It's a podcast that you can get on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, he's also an agency owner. Uh, they do a lot, uh, some different things. He's based out of Sacramento. So they have a lot of local clients. They do some national clients, a variety of industries. Chiropractic is one of them. They also do, you know, like local SEO and SEM work, web design and implementation to a certain degree. But one of the when he, interesting things that we talked about with Adrian is that he's seeing some of the same things that a lot of us are seeing, which is that the the market for the actual doing of the work, the actual implementation work of marketing and web design, especially uh, those those costs and the expectations from clients are driving those costs down. In other words, it's very difficult now for us to make as much money as we used to actually doing the thing for clients. And so Adrian is seeing that shift coming and is already changing his business model to focus more on selling the strategy to the business owners that he's working with rather than the implementation. And so we talk about that change, that shift essentially in the way that his business is working away from doing the thing to selling the strategy of the thing, which is very interesting and, and applicable to all of us, whether we're in coaching, consulting, or doing kind of creative work for clients. We also get into really an interesting conversation about how Adrian integrates his personal faith into the business and into the podcast. The, his podcast, Project Grow, uh, is literally tagline is a faith-based you know, radio show, essentially. And so he mixes faith and, and really integrates it and infuses his personal faith into the business, into the podcast, which is the main media outlet for the business. And so we talk about both the upsides and downsides of that. We talk about uh, how he moved his, what originally started off as a local radio show, a terrestrial radio show in Sacramento on business radio, moving it to a podcast and the actual increase he's seen in results from doing that, which is very, very interesting for you because there's a lot of people out there uh, who have either had the opportunity uh, to jump into terrestrial radio. In fact, one of my best friends in the Bay Area just launched his new radio show uh, in the real estate space. Uh, and so he's like, he's trying it. I've been on local radio in ESPN and those guys that are running that show, uh, no longer ran it because the terrestrial radio was not paying off for them. So if anybody's had that opportunity to shell out a grand or two or four grand a month for local radio, you'll find this in this very, very interesting. Uh, the fact that he's moved it over to a podcast and actually seen better results. So again, a really, really fun conversation with Adrian. Uh, so whether you're a coach, consultant, agency owner, whatever the case is, you're going to get a lot out of this conversation and definitely some very thought-provoking stuff on what we're actually selling. Are we selling the doing of the thing or are we selling the strategy of how to do the thing? Because one, it's very lucrative and it's where the market is going and the actual doing of the work is becoming a commodity. So with that being said, let's jump into the conversation with Adrian. All right, Adrian, man, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Appreciate, 
appreciate being on here. It's awesome. Yeah. Super pumped uh, to have you on ever since we connected on LinkedIn. We had a really great kind of conversation, just even just messaging back and forth. It's, it's always cool. Uh, it's cool for me to meet people who can convey their personality in writing because then I know I'm going to have a good time with them just like in conversation. Uh, and so we were, te- you know, kind of texting back and forth essentially on LinkedIn, which is how we originally connected. And we have a kind of really similar uh, background, um, you know, agency, you know, the agency life and, you know, our, our kind of faith-based background, some of our upbringing and all, all kinds of fun stuff. So we're going to talk about a few things, but uh, give people just an inside look real quick on uh, what your agency does so they get a sense of like what industry you operate in, who your ideal clients are, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, isn't LinkedIn awesome, man? It's, mm-hmm. it's so cool that we can connect with each other um, in different parts of the country. I know you're down there in San Diego, but my agency has been... Um, one of the biggest challenges of my whole life. I've, I've struggled and had to learn a lot and, re, you know, read more books than I could possibly even <laughs> probably count at this point on yep. just trying to really focus on building my agency. And so now I'm at that point where I've actually made a pivot within my agency where I was really focused on providing those SEO, paid ads, Google advertising, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And after seeing the prices just race to the bottom, it was all about mm-hmm. who could offer it for the cheapest possible price. I had to take a hard look at everything I was doing and realize, wait a minute, what is it that I'm really doing? Is it these services that I'm providing that's really offering the most amount of value? Or is it the actual consulting and coaching that I'm giving these business owners where they're really seeing the breakthrough? And after really taking a deep look at that, talking about it with some other people that were in my team, um, gentleman Joseph Serino, and, and just really getting deep with him and getting that objectivity, I was able to discover that really the coaching and consulting is where I thrive and where I have the most amount of value that I can yeah. bring to the table. So that's really what yeah. I spend most of my time on now is, is coaching and consulting these clients on the mindset of digital marketing. Yeah, which makes total sense. And, and I don't, you know, I, I struggle with this a little bit in terms of how to articulate it. So I'm going to throw this theory out to you and, and you see uh, what you think. So I, I firmly believe that for the most part, categories do not converge uh, which is what Al Reese said a million years ago. And he was right as much then as he is now. Uh, I don't believe categories converge. So all, all the talk of convergence and stuff like that, like for the most part, you can throw that, throw that baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. However, I do believe that the implementation, especially for people doing creative work for clients, like you know, r- the routine stuff of marketing, Mm-hmm. And it's like this in a lot of industries. You can be a bookkeeper. The routine, like day to day stuff that we've kind of come up learning the fundamentals of what's what, like just the execution of our work, like Correct. that stuff, like you said, it's a race to the bottom. And so, this is a brave new world where I don't think it's convert. I don't think that it like agency work is converging with coaching and consulting. I think it's actually morphing to the point where uh, if we're only doing the work, like either we're going to come become a commodity or just we're going to flat out get replaced by AI or something like that. And and you came off of an interview we were talking about in the pre-show with, with Jeff Hoffman talking about all kinds of fun tech stuff that's coming down the road. Like we can all see it. The those, those of us that are like paying really close attention, yep. we all see kind of what's coming. Uh, so yeah, anyway, so my, my theory is exactly what you're experiencing and like the realization that you came to. I think other people are coming to that same realization going crap. Like I need to shift from just doing the thing to coaching on the mindset or, or consulting on the strategy behind the thing. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, and, you're dead on. Yeah I, yeah. I agree. And with artificial intelligence and predictive learning and big data and all these things that are all being like rolled into one now, mm-hmm. um, it's just crazy to see how fast things are going to change. I mean, we, we've seen such a huge growth in technology in the last five years. Can you imagine what it's going to look like in another five years? 
Uh, I'm, I, I'm reading this book called Unscaled, which if, if you like, if you like the book Scale, you'll love the book Unscaled. Uh, what's interesting Good. is that I, they're, they're both equally right um, okay. because the, the way to scale up has just massively changed because the new way to scale up isn't going to be hiring 100 employees. No. Um, no, you know, no and no. I'm sure you've probably looked down that road with the, with the growth of your agency going, yeah, I could scale up that way. Am I going to make any money? Am I going to like, is that going to fulfill me? Probably not. No, because the problem is, is as an agency where I think a lot of people struggle running their agency is they're so focused on trying to scale it, bringing in new people, training, trying to recruit, trying to sell, trying to run the business and, and finances and all the areas that they got to do to run an agency. They're not actually marketing their own agency. <laughs> they may be out there selling, but they're not actually marketing. So there, and that was one of the things I was guilty of is I wasn't spending any time blogging because I was so busy. I wasn't yep. spending any time. Only content I was creating was for my radio show and podcast. That was the only thing I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to have enough time to take that content and even put it onto my website. That's how busy I was. Oh my God. So I wasn't doing my own. The services I was selling to my clients, I wasn't doing for myself. And I oh, think totally. that's, that's the big takeaway for a lot of these people is if you have an agency and you're not marketing your agency like you're doing it for your clients, there's gonna, you're going to run into problems with being able to bring in that inbound traffic. It's, it's so hilarious that you mentioned that. Here, here's how spooky the timing is. Okay. I was talking with my business coach two hours ago and he asked me the question, right? Cause you know, like when, when you're, when you're looking for a certain result, there's always that moment of frustration between when you're putting in all the work and when you see the results, right? There's just a, yeah. there's a, a time lag. And so I was talking to him a little bit about that and he's like, okay, well, are you executing on your own marketing at the level of what you do for your clients? Ooh. Well, I'm like, well, of course not. Like, who, yeah, who, <laughs> who does, that? does that? Well, nobody does that. And he's like, all right, well, how, how long would it take to get to the point where you are? And I'm like, well, let's, let's call it six weeks. There are some specific things that I need to put in place and install that I, if it were a client account, I would have installed a month ago. Yeah. And I could install over the coming month. He's like, all right, so you're six weeks away from executing it at the level of what you do for clients. I'm like, yeah. Uh, so, okay, well, how about we do that? So (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny that that's the brilliant business advice is to, Hey, do what you do best for your own clients, but also do it for you. Um, But anyway, that's, that's a big one, dude. I think people are really going to love that. Yeah. That's that's, (laughs) so yeah, that was, that was a fun conversation this morning, but anyway. um, So tell me, first of all, you mentioned like the radio show and the podcast, give people just a quick uh, overview and where they can go to listen to. Yeah. So projectgrowshow.com. Um, it was originally called Project Grow Radio. I had it on the radio stations for nine months. I ran that and I was trying to really infuse my faith into the business world mm-hmm. and inter- intertwine the secular and the non-secular, secular and the spiritual together. And I was really trying to intertwine those two and speak some life and some truth and, and wisdom that I've been picking up from all the studying that I do on the word. And mm-hmm. I share that with business people on, on leadership principles and even some marketing principles. And that was the challenge that the Lord put on my heart was how can you take faith and wrap it around all of the topics of your show? And I'm like, holy moly, what are you doing to me here? Like, (laughs) it's already hard enough doing a podcast and a radio show and all this and finding guests and trying to run an agency. Now you want me to, okay, all right. So I had to get my head head around, how am I going to wrap faith around marketing? How am I going to wrap it around leadership and tech? And so I was able to do that really successfully, I feel. And as time went on, it got better and better and better. And, uh, now I'm just at that point where it's just, it's not even a topic. Faith isn't a topic. It's literally the foundation of everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And so after nine months of running that on this money, 105.5 radio station, 
which is like investors and real mm -hmm. estate and stuff like that. I mean, I didn't get a single call from the radio station. And what kind of business owner is going to invest thousands of dollars a month for more than a, nine months? Wow. I stuck it out for as long as I could. And I'm like, this is just to not get one client. It told me that it wasn't connecting. And you know, in marketing, right. that's really the key to the whole thing is if you're not connecting with your audience, what good is it? So after nine months sticking it out at the six month mark, I was like, I think I might need to pull this, but I stuck it out another 90 days. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what I can do here and do a 90 day blitz and nothing. So I decided to pull it. I'm like, I think my audience is really on the podcasting side. I'm going to focus that money, start spending it on AdWords and start spending yeah. it on Google, on Google ads, start putting it into Facebook ads. And that, you know, to over $2,000 a month, I could be funneling over to the podcast side of things and mm. really blowing it up and reaching the people that I want to reach and speak yeah. life to my specific tribe. Oh, yeah. That, but that's the thing is I was trying to speak to a tribe that wasn't really my tribe that wasn't about, they weren't there to listen about faith. They wanted to hear mm. about investing and finance and business and all that stuff. So I've had to make some pivots, you know, and, and mm. it's just kind of a learning lesson along the way. But that's kind of what I've been been focused on now for the last nine months is just really making my show as great as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and it's, I think there's a there's a really good valuable lesson in that, which is when we like, especially for those of us that are doing like creative work for clients, whether it's an agency, like a marketing agency or not, because a lot, a lot of the listenership for the podcast is also in the coaching consulting world because we're all professional service firms, right? Yeah. It's, that's really right. what we are at the heart, and. Uh, I think anytime there, there's a, there is a risk anytime we get into waters that we don't know about, mm -hmm. like we sell a professional service because we know that we know more Correct. about execution than our clients. Yeah. But then we turn around and make the exact same mistake, right? And, yep. and turn around and, and jump into other forms of lead generation without really understanding it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and without, sometimes without talking to the people that are the experts at it. And so sometimes we don't really take, again, going back to not only doing what we do best in marketing for ourselves, but also making sure that we take our own advice and go to the people that are really good at it, find out what they're doing and take their advice, <laughs> which, which if we, it's funny because the better you get at one thing, mm -hmm. the temptation is to think, Oh, well, I'll just reproduce what I did in this area over here and go do it somewhere else. It doesn't always suit like the thing that made us unique and the thing that made it work over here. Isn't always, it doesn't always translate. That's true. Um, yeah, and I think radio is a good example. Of that. I mean, I've even done that, and I've seen that with an AdWords campaigns. I've I built an AdWords campaign for HVAC Tech in Southern California, mm -hmm. and I built an HVAC campaign for a guy in in the Bay Area, and then I built one in in Northern California up here in Sacramento, where I'm at. And the three campaigns completely varied and were completely different. And I thought it was just going to be cookie cutter. I could just sell the yeah. campaigns to different people and, and, and restructure to maybe just a couple little you know areas. And but it was I had to do a lot of different stuff. Uh, for San Francisco because they don't really need air conditioning out there. You know, it was, it was just a that really different, it's all about San heating. So. Cold. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I was up there a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, what is, it's like August. Why is there fog here? What, what is <laughs> yeah, going exactly. on here? Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's funny because that, especially with the ad side and, and, you know, anybody that's listening, the, especially in the coaching consulting realm, I run into this a lot, which is they want to go from coaching people one-on-one -on -one to jumping right into paid ads, like to yeah. cold, like ice cold traffic. And a lot of times they're doing it not because they believe it works, but because they've seen other people do it. Exactly. The assumption is that it works. And what that's just really interesting. And that, that's part of why, like I mentioned, Al Reese and the Immutable Laws of Marketing. He's got some other books out there uh, like Focus. Focus is really good, man. I don't know if you've ever, ever yeah, read that one. I think one. I've downloaded that on Audible. It's amazing. Like he has this whole part of the book focus where he goes into like all the, all the stuff about mergers and acquisitions that you don't hear about, like all the failures. Oh. 
and he, and he just tracks, like, of course, this book was written, I think, mid-90s or something like that. So the track wow. record, he goes through like the 80s and early 90s and okay. just all these big mergers, all these big acquisitions and goes, fail, 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 <laughs> fail, fail, billion dollar write down, billion dollar write down, uh, which is interesting because for the most part, we, we assume from the outside that if you're a big company and you're doing a lot of advertising or if you're a big coach or an agency owner and yeah. you see their ads on Facebook, you see their Google pay-per-click, you assume it's working. And you assume they're doing well. It's true. It's just human nature. Yep. And of course, there, there could be someone behind the scenes, your counterpart, looking at the Facebook ads going, what the hell is going on here? Wrong. It's not working. Yeah. What's yeah. wrong with this campaign? Unless you're Frank Kern. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> although, I, I, although I think the dirty little secret is, I, don't, I think Frank Kern is doing, you know, probably like in the weeds, tweaking his own stuff anyway, oh, yeah. until it works. I, I think guys like him, like I heard somebody say that um, like every single new market the digital marketer goes into, mm-hmm. Harry Belcher himself is the one that builds the, the Google pay-per-click campaigns for it. Wow. Now that could be speculation. I don't know, Perry, yeah. but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that was, from, it was from a reputable source that does have the inside wow. yeah. scoop. So yeah, so that, that really that really drove it home for me that like the, especially the, the pay-per-click world is mm-hmm. not something just co- cookie cutter, which you, you've yeah. kind of found out the hard way. So anyway, definitely. Um, but let's talk about the faith-based stuff a little bit. Uh, so tell cool. me a little bit about your, uh, like your background, your, your upbringing, what, um, like how did that, how did that go? So, you know, it's funny. I, I, my dad was always a Christian. My stepmom was a Christian, but we were not regular churchgoers. We went, you know, for holidays and, you know, Easter, things like that. And wasn't wasn't really a regular thing, but when I was a young teen, I got into a youth group and was even just there for a short period of time, about a month. And I just was always pulled towards the Lord at a really young age. And then um, after I got out of high school, I was you know working like crazy hours, eighty hours a week, selling cars and doing home loans, and then even working a side business, doing nightlife promotions, and starting to do Good. graphics and all that stuff. So I was super busy and wasn't wasn't involved in church. But then I built my first printing company. And during that time, I hired a guy, I had added on a sign division to the company and I hired a sign guy. And he kept bugging me like once a week, Hey man, come to my church. Hey man, come to my church. Hey man, come to I'm like, dude, will you stop it with the church stuff? I, I, I do meditation, man. I, I meditate. I, I know there's yeah. a God, but I'm not all about that religion stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, just, just come out with me one time, please. And so after like two months of him bugging me, I was like, all right, man, I went out with him went to this little tiny church with 40 people, literally 40 people in a tiny little room. And I was encountered. I got an encounter from the Holy spirit there. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the Lord was really trying to reach me. And it wasn't, it was through this guy, Matt, or I mean, Mark. And so he was really trying to reach me. And so I was like, all right, fine, I'll come back. So I started going back on a regular basis. And a month later I ended up getting baptized at 20 mm-hmm. years old. And when I got baptized, I came out of that water and I experienced something that I had never experienced in any sort of meditation. I'm just like overwhelmed. I mean, I was like sobbing. It was just mm-hmm. a weight had been lifted off me. It was just like a new feeling I had never, never felt and um, to a whole new level. And mm-hmm. I look over my grandmother who I had been taking care of for the last four years who had stage three colon cancer. And she looked at me and she's from Barcelona, Spain. Uh, she looked at me and she said, I want to get baptized. And I'm like, <laughs> really? And she's like in her earrings and her makeup and her dress and, you know, 80, 81 years old at the time, I think. And I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. And sure enough, in her dress and everything, boom, she goes down, comes up and I'm hugging on her. And it was just a, it was a life changing moment. Wow. And then I got married and some things, you know, became challenging with that. And I, I turned away and, 
you know, mm-hmm. stepped away from the church for about a year, but then I knew it wasn't right. And I knew I wanted to get back into community and I wanted to c- continue to grow. Mm-hmm. I just felt it inside of me. Just something kept speaking to me on a regular basis, at least every, almost every day. And I got back into church on my own without my wife. And that was what led to a, a nasty divorce. And then after that divorce happened, um, I reached out to a church in downtown Sacramento or pretty close to where I'm at. And some guy spoke some prophetic words over me and brought me to tears. And, and that was like the very beginning of my serious walk where I was like, okay, it's time to be fully obedient. It's time to chase mm-hmm. after the Lord. Like he's been chasing after me and yeah. it's time to, it's time to, to make some changes in my life, um, and live, live the right way and not just be like my dad and say, Oh yeah, I, I love God and I'm a sinner. So, you know, he forgives me for these things that I do. No, I want to actually be intentional about walking and doing what the Lord says we're supposed to do. And what, and more than anything, Jesus, that's, that's my mm-hmm. biggest thing is I, I'm all about Jesus. I call myself a Jesus freak. Yeah. So, you know, it's not even about the Bible. It's not about anything else. I know that Jesus lived, he died. He was the only one that's ever done that on the, there's no other God that's ever existed on this planet that lived, said he was going to do all these things, did every single one of them, then died and then rerose again. Mm-hmm. There's no one else that did that. And for me, that's the true example of God and the fact that he gave yeah. that up for us. So I could go on and on and on about it for, for hours, as you can tell, but it's something that um, I've just become deeper and deeper and deeper. And as I've been pursuing him, he's brought more wisdom to me. He's brought more opportunities, opened up more doors. I'm involved yeah. with youth ministry. So it's just, it's becoming more important, a more important part of my life. And when I did a youth ministry camp just about three months ago, uh, I was watching these kids go down, like literally just, I mean, mm-hmm. out, out yeah. cold in the Holy Spirit. And yeah. after I walked out of there, I'm like, I almost don't even want to do business anymore. Watching yeah. these kids could be completely going from, you know, sitting in their chairs, not wanting to be anything part of it. And then an hour later sobbing and being laid mm-hmm. out on the floor in total joy was just like the most mm-hmm. unreal, most fulfilling thing I've ever experienced. So now I'm like, all right, how do I intertwine these together yeah. to help at risk youth, teach them about business, teach them about marketing, teach them about graphics and all the things that I know. So that's where I'm at now. Yeah. And I've kind of come to a very, a very similar conclusion. So I had a pretty, I, initially mine was very different experience, but it kind of led around to kind of the same general area where you're at now. So, I mean, my, my dad was a pastor growing up. He founded two churches while I was under 10. At one point he pastored both of them at the same time, 45 minutes away from each other. Ooh, yeah, that was a lot. Um, and then, so we shut down that church when I was 10, we moved down to Louisiana. Then their intention was to go to Jimmy Swaggart's uh, missionary school Okay. and we got down there and just the, like they didn't, they decided it wasn't for them and I oh. uh, ended up moving back. My dad took an assistant pastor position for a while. And then we started the church together when I was in my early twenties and wow. that's, yeah. And, and so like and most people, like, I don't know that anybody in my, in my world right now really knows all that background. So this is the first time I've really shared that publicly. Um, but yeah, so like that, but then that church didn't, didn't work out. My dad and I disagreed. Uh, I ended up leaving the church. We didn't talk for a good part of two years. Wow. Uh, it was crazy. Like I went through, it was a lot. Uh, and then, um, then I got into real estate, you know, liked certain parts of it, hated other parts of it, uh, decided to get out of that, mm-hmm. spent five years chasing a music career and had some mixed success there, which was interesting, came back right. to business uh, and got into what I'm doing now in a roundabout way, which, which all kind of led back and tied in with real estate in kind of a general sense. And, and here, here's the, I say all that to say this, I came to the same conclusion, which is that the only way to be happy was to integrate those two sides of my personality. Because even when I was in the church, 
even even as a teen, I remember reading business and personal development books right. alongside all the theology stuff. Exactly. And it's funny, uh, you know, I remember talking to the CEO that I used to work for, who's now a client and one of my good friends. Um, and he just asked me, and this is, I was like, I was just working a sales job. Okay. He's like, all right, uh, what's, what's on your, uh, like what books you're reading right now? So I literally, I'm on the phone. I looked over at the pile of books that I had in the corner that I was reading. And among them was like the 80, 20 manager. When that was one of the ones I was reading, I wasn't supervising anybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it, it was something that was so innate. Um, like I, I could not turn that part of me off. And there was something that my dad said to me, not, not that long ago, uh, which was, uh, he said the, like the, the old, like the old like model of ministry, like the only way to do ministry was to be like ministry was a full-time vocation. Like otherwise you weren't quote in ministry. Like that was always my intention growing up was to be full-time ministry. Right. Um, And he said, I don't think that's that. He said, I think that was an aberration. It's like, I think what being, being in ministry is a lifestyle and what you do for money is part of your lifestyle. It's not, and it can be part of your ministry too, but being in ministry doesn't mean that your income has to come from the people that you're ministering to. Yeah. And that, that really set me free. That was one of the things that was like an, a light bulb moment for me that like kind of helped make it okay for me to do what I'm doing in the business world and make ministry like an integrated part of it, there as opposed go. to like feeling guilty for not being in full-time ministry. Exactly. I don't know if you dealt with that at all, but I, oh, know, totally, I, I did totally. massively. I mean, I know as a kid, I was the one instead of playing house with all my friends. I was the one playing business and a lot of the kids, <laughs> A lot of the kids didn't want to do that. So I spent a lot of time by myself or with family mm-hmm. members or cousins and things like that, playing business with them. And that's just who I was. I mean, my grandfather yeah. was a business owner. I was watched really? him for, yeah, he raised me for the first three and a half years before he passed away and he had a video production company. So that what? carried me on for many, many years. No and way. that was really what planted, I think the original seed in me and drove me throughout my entire, I mean, I remember being in elementary school being like, I mean, I can't wait to get out of school so I can go start my business or being 12 years old, washing cars, making a couple hundred bucks a day, washing cars. I mean, it was just, it's just ingrained so deep in me. So I know that's, that's a part of who I am, but the Lord is also a deeper part of who I am and he's got a mission. And so really the biggest thing that's changed for me is my mission became less about the business goals of, Oh, I want to reach this level of revenue and I want to hit this $5 million in sales and have this many people. It's not scaling up for me. It wasn't about that anymore. My, my mission became how can I help at risk youth and how can I help restore broken families? And mm-hmm. what are the steps to getting there? What is that? What does that look like for me? And how many people do I want to help? What's my goals on that side? And all of the business things that I'm going to do are going to be what's leading up to those. Those, yep. those are the real goals. If I leave, helping 10 at-risk youth and I'm able to restore one broken family and I leave this world and the Lord gives me the, Hey, great job, good and faithful servant. Like that's, that's all I need. I, I'm not taking yeah. money with me. My, my kid can fend for himself. He's going to be smart and he'll, he'll be really successful. So it's not about like leaving this huge nest egg of, you know, millions and millions of dollars so he can live that, you know, rich kid life. Like I, I know the Lord's going to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And my, my job is more spiritual than, been of this world now at this point. Yeah. So, so, uh, cause one of the interesting things I wanted to talk about in the few minutes we have left, cause we could spend a lot, a lot of time just chit chatting, uh, which would be fun. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what are, what are some of the things that, uh, that you find that like have been like roadblocks to success in business that come from the upbringing of being raised in church 
and and just having faith in your life and feeling that there's something that's ultimately more important than yep. business. Like how how has that affected you? Um, I think because I'm not my first priority is in money. Where a lot of people out there in the business world, their first priority is money, mm-hmm. and a lot of them don't have the same. They're not in the same walk of their faith that I'm in right now. Like everybody's in different phases of their walk, yeah. and maybe they're just starting to come around to, hey, there's a God. Maybe they're like, I know there's a God. I've gone to church, you know, here and there, but I don't really like church, so it's not my thing. Everybody's in different phases. Mm-hmm. So I believe you don't have to believe. You don't have to believe what I believe to belong, but at the same time, there's a culture thing that I've run into with trying to scale the business where. I have this certain principle they're like, Hey, you know, we had a slow month. How's everybody going to get paid? Hey, you know what? Don't worry. The Lord's the provider. And they're like, huh? You know, <laughs> and they looked at me like, are you crazy? And sure yeah. enough, he always comes through and mm-hmm. it's never been a problem. But I think, um, that's kind of been the thing for me is the, the cultural, sh- the culture shock of when somebody comes in here, that's who I am. We do prayer meetings on Fridays together oh, wow. in my conference room. I mean, if you're not a believer, you don't have to be part of the, the prayer meetings, but that's just part of my culture and who we are. So now I've actually kind of even scaled down my business in the sense of the people that I have here in my office. Mm -hmm. And now most of my team is outside. So I got a team of like 17 web developers outside. Mm -hmm. I got an SEO guy who has five or six members on his team. I got a whole um, paid advertising guy that handles all my paid advertising. So my payroll went from 25, $30,000 a month down to like less than 10. So I was able to cut a lot of overhead and really that's going to help me scale this business the way I really want to and scale the agency the way I want to and put more of those resources back in because I was paying web developers and I'm sure you've dealt with this, you know, $25, $35 an hour and they're spending three to four hours a day on their cell phone browsing the web or doing other stuff. And I'm, I'm paying for that development cost when sites aren't being developed. Well, now I have a development team that's only charging me when they're developing something. So the efficiencies of trying to grow a huge agency and doing it with a team in-house is just, I don't think it's the future. I think it's the old way of doing yeah, it. I, I 100% agree. And, and yeah, I remember I remember working at the old agency where I came from. And mm-hmm. and like I mentioned the CEO is a good friend of mine would, would go in and uh, he essentially audited one of his account managers. Mm-hmm. And just had his account manager like essentially hand him his phone. And they just counted up the, the, the number of texts and Facebook messages that came into him throughout one workday. Wow. Over 200. Holy messages. Just messages. Yeah. Not all the other stuff, not notifications, not, not just dings and whistles, like literal people reaching out to him (laughs) 200 a day. I don't know how he got anything done for the business at all. Uh, And of course, imagine what happens when they say, okay, well, we're going to experiment with two weeks of just like hand your phone in at the door. Let's just see what happens. Well, of course, productivity skyrockets. Of course. Uh, And so, yeah, I I think the old way of having, because I I know a lot of guys like this and I respect the hell out of them. um, The the guys that say, look, you know, there has to be a culture. You have to bring people into a physical location because you have to be able to create that culture that people want to plug into. And to a certain degree, they're right. But like I think that is for the most part, especially in the creative world, that that model is going out the door because of exactly oh, yeah. that. These free spirited open workspaces, no accountability, show mm-hmm. up and roll in when you feel like it. I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I had employees that knew they were supposed to be there at eight AM and then showed up at nine forty. Right. You know, and I'm like sitting here going, What the heck is going on? And and I have projects that we're, you know, behind yeah. on or we have deadlines or I brought on I brought on four times the amount of projects this month that I did the last month. And, yeah. and I'm like, I need everybody's hands on deck and they're just kinda like, All right, cool. You know, and it's like 
I think that that's the biggest thing with an agency. If you have an agency and you have employees, you got to set up an accountability system. Yeah. And I think the, you know, those of us that have like a faith-based background, that, that, that is a potential area where we need to really watch it. Um, because the tendency to want to help people can get us in trouble, uh, with the business, the tendency to give people the benefit of the doubt can all get us in trouble. Um, and we just have to realize that there, there is, there's a separation, like doing what's best for the business is not a moral or immoral decision. It's just what's best for the business. And sometimes what's best for the business is helping them find other fantastic employment opportunities elsewhere. There we go. It's birthing them into a new and fulfilling career with somebody else. Um, And that's okay. And I think those of us that that do have that foundation of faith can sometimes struggle with that because it feels like we're doing something very unchristian-like. I would contend if you went back in time and hung out with Jesus, he'd be the first person to fire you if you showed up. But that's just my, that's just my opinion. Dude, I love that. But Jesus did that. not take any crap from anyone. Um, very, very truly, I tell you, you must look for employment elsewhere. I mean, exactly. he was a business owner. I did an episode on that. He was a carpenter, <laughs> man. I mean, that's, that's a tough job. You know, that's manual labor. Yes, yeah. it is. So, so I'm yeah. gonna, we should, yeah, he was going to say, you got to write a book. Jesus would fire your ass. Jesus would fire your ass. I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but those those are some of the things like I've noticed it. uh, Some of the other things that I've noticed in me uh, with my background, and this may be completely unique to me, but like I, for me, man, uh, like in in the denomination that I was raised in, like I had a wild swing from one opposite uh, end of the spectrum to the other. So zero to 15 years old, I was raised in old school Pentecostalism. I mean, virtually a vow of poverty. And I mean, a real deal... Like there was just something inherent, like Pentecostalism appealed to lower classes, a lot of the people there. And there was a certain amount of pride taken in just very simple faith, Mm -hmm. simple lives. And it's great. But then we went to the opposite end of the spectrum, 15 to 20. I went to a church that was all faith and prosperity. Like we literally went from one opposite end of the spectrum to the other. It was terrible. And so I've got a conflict, a nice little conflicting melange of, uh, of beliefs about wealth and prosperity and things like that, that I've had to deal with and come Mm -hmm. to kind of a happy medium, which for me is like, I, when I look at the Bible, the model for me is the apostle Paul. There we go. It right. He didn't stop him from doing what he wanted to do that brought him all the, all the impact on the world that he wanted to have, which he's one of the most impactful human beings of all time, if not the most. Um, but he was not full-time ministry as we understand it. Like, and and unless you read the book of Acts, you forget about this, but he was a tent maker for the most part. He supported, he he supported himself through a combination of missions, donations, but then also just working part-time. Yep. And so the way that I've had to look at it is just, look, I'm, you know, I want to be a well, if I'm going to be a tent maker part of the time, I want to be a well-paid tent maker. <laughs> there we go. You know, there and then, so that's how I've kind of had to like reconcile it. So I don't know if that makes, if that like resonates it, with what you resonates heard. deeply because I did a graphic of, of Paul out in the water uh, when Jesus pulled him from the water and I took my face and I Photoshopped it on there um, on, it was on, on father's day. And I'm like, Jesus is the greatest father that ever lived. And, the whole story of Paul and Saul and the whole how the right. name change and just he, that's literally one of the best characters and best figures in the Bible of uh, the entire Bible. His his life and his testimony was just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. So that that's kind of who it's it's funny that we both kind of identify with oh, uh, yeah. with him. That that that's my hero. Paul's my guy. Yeah, he's the man. 
Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So any, anything else uh, that you can share that, you know, just things that have helped you kind of integrate your faith with the agency? Yeah. I think, um, you know, for the people that it has attracted into my life, they know that I have a strong moral compass. And I mean, it's, it's led me to a lot of really amazing relationships with like-minded people. Jeff Hoffman being one of those, I had no idea. He's not one of those people that's out boldly speaking about it, but he is a believer and he trusted on my show. And um, I feel like it may have planted a seed in him seeing somebody at my age being so bold about my faith and not hiding Mm -hmm. it and really wanting to share it with the world. Um, and that was really cool. And then I have another guy that's at Salem media group, really well-known, uh, media organization that I've built a really good alliance with. And now I'm even considering joining up with and actually kind of oh, collaborating wow. and, and being on their team because they have a big plan to try and take their digital marketing side to the next level. And they have the resources, unlike I did to right. do it, you know, where it's a race, race to the bottom. I c- I didn't have a hundred million dollar investment or, you know, 30 people on staff to be able to compete with this $150 a month, you know, AdWords, you know, budget. So I was losing people to that, to that price point. I'm at $800 a month to run AdWords every month. And Mm -hmm. these guys are at 147. It's like, of course, the customer is not going to have any loyalty and they're going to leave. So now I've, I've really built an alliance with people like Salem and and Jeff Hoffman and some other people that that are in ministry. Um, This guy named Lance Hahn from Bridgeway Christian Church, who's just a big time innovator and Jesus culture. I'm sure you've heard of them. Mm -hmm. So I've just been able to really link up with some amazing people who have the kingdom minded mindset. My friend, Timothy Morgan from giver marketing. I mean, he's the same thing, all kingdom minded um, people. So that's, that's really what I feel like the Lord is bringing me kind of an army of people that we're, we're going after and we're, we're going to save the lost, man. That's, that's, it's a, it's a battle between heaven and hell. And, and uh, we got our armor on and I got the right people on my team now. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. Uh, That is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.